Hello, and welcome to Minas Tirith, the podcast where we explore Tolkien's world and answer questions from you. My name is Mina. And this is Brian. This is episode six of the podcast and the last episode in season one of Minas Tirith. Today's episode, I will share my thoughts on the season one finale of The Rings of Power. After my detailed analysis and review, we will answer some questions from our listeners about the life, culture, and language of elves. All right, this should be very interesting. And for our listeners, we want you to know that there will be some spoilers in this episode of the podcast. So let's get started because we have a lot to cover. So let's start off with an easy one. Most of the questions in this episode of the podcast are very nerdy. So before you start to lose me, can you address what the correct way to pronounce Tolkien is? Is it Tolkien or Tolkien? Great question from our listeners. So I think this is probably because of my very bad American accent, but I've been pronouncing his name wrong. Oh, no. Oh, boy. The correct way is Tolkien. Now, remember, J.R.R. Tolkien is English. He served in World War I for Great Britain. He lived around that time. So my apologies to the Tolkien family. Okay. Well, thanks for that clarification. Let's see how many times we say it correctly before we revert back to the old way that we've been saying it. Now that we've watched the last episode of the season, what are your general thoughts, good and bad? It was really enjoyable to watch. I especially liked seeing the rings of power being made and revealed. Finally. That was a highlight for me on this episode. Me too. That's it? Nothing else? So the reveal of Halbrand being Sauron was a good buildup, and I think I'm okay with it. However, I was disappointed on how Amazon portrayed Galadriel. Hmm, okay. Let's talk about more of these things. This was the only episode that I actually stayed awake during, and I was asking you a lot of questions throughout the entire time, and you shushed me many, many times. So now I'm going to ask some of those questions. <laughs> In a previous episode, you pointed out many similarities between Halbrand and Sauron, but you also made it very clear that you did not think he was going to be Sauron. So how do you feel about it now that the show revealed that Halbrand is Sauron? And at what point did you know that he was Sauron? Because you're like, oh my gosh, so many times. So just for our listeners' benefit. Yeah, there's that scene in Eregion in Celebrimbor's workshop when Halbrand creepily comes in and as soon as he said the words, my master, I apprentice to, I was like, OMG, he's Sauron? And when Halbrand said, call it a gift, that's exactly the moment I knew he was Sauron because he was known as the Lord of Gifts. Sauron is a shapeshifter. So he previously was a snake, a terrible wolf, a large bat, and other forms. Although he's not named Anatar on the show, I suppose he has taken many other forms as well. Mm, okay. But because Galadriel was so sure he was the heir to the Southlands in previous episodes, and because Halbrand didn't kill Adar and Adar didn't recognize him, I thought Halbrand was someone else, like a new character. Interesting that Galadriel didn't know. But hey, you still drew out the similarities. A few of our listeners were convinced Halbrand was Sauron because of your analysis. So... That's that's pretty good. Yeah, right. thanks, listeners. All right. So let's talk about the stranger, the meteor man. He says at the end, follow your nose. I think we all agree with you that he's a wizard, but is he Gandalf? It is possible. So here are the reasons why I don't like that he might be Gandalf. 
One, the meteor man is powerful, and Gandalf the Grey in the Fellowship of the Ring movie is weak compared to the meteor man. Two, Gandalf specifically says in the books that he traveled everywhere in Middle-earth except the east. Only the two blue wizards went east, as well as Saruman. So since this show takes place in the east, it would be strange if the meteor man was Gandalf. Three, Tolkien's Gandalf, whose original name is Olorin, was never confused whether he was peril or good. He knew what his mission was. Mm. Okay, so do you know why it's not very clear who he is? Amazon only has rights to the Lord of the Rings and the Appendices, which has a lot of material. They don't have rights to the Silmarillion, which specifically talks about Olorin, who is Gandalf. So if Amazon can't use the Silmarillion to tell Olorin's backstory, then it makes sense that they made a whole new backstory for him. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. So do you think he could be Gandalf? Here are the reasons he could be Gandalf. One, he says, always follow your nose. For those who have seen the Fellowship of the Ring film, Gandalf says, when in doubt, always follow your nose. Two, he wears that bathrobe and it's in a gray color. The bathrobe? Yeah, in the show he wears this like gray-like thing. Oh, okay. Three, he likes Harfoots. And this explains why Gandalf the Grey has such a strong affinity and relationship with hobbits in the Third Age. And four, those cult ladies turn into moths. Gandalf spoke to moths in both the Lord of the Rings films and The Hobbit. That's how he gets the eagles to come. And a small trivia fact here, his original name is Olorin or Orlorin. Once he comes to Middle-earth, other elves and men start giving him new names like Gandalf and Mithrandir. So for me, it will be sort of disappointing if he really is Olorin because it's not exactly what Tolkien wrote about. But for casual fans, I think that will be exciting. Hmm. You said Tolkien correctly. All right. Well, I have no opinions on this, but I'm here to support you. So let's talk about the main character in this series, Galadriel. What are your thoughts about her? Yeah, I was really frustrated with Amazon's Galadriel. Tolkien never said that Galadriel and Sauron were friends or met each other like they did on the show. Tolkien's Galadriel would have never been deceived by Sauron. I don't think that Tolkien's Galadriel would have been so blinded by her ambition or that Sauron was so great at deceiving that she wouldn't have known who he really was. Do you think it was love? Was she blinded by love? No, I don't think so. Okay. In the books, by the Second Age, Galadriel is one of the greatest elves remaining in Middle-earth. But on the show, everyone is doubting her and Gil-gal kind of looks down on her. It just doesn't give her the respect and prestige that her character has in the books. Okay. So what do you think about the making of the Rings of Power? We finally saw something that actually relates to the title. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, it is. So the making of the rings was really special and well done. I really enjoyed it. I was expecting each ring to have been molded separately and not molded together at the same time, but it was still special. I also especially liked how they went through the thought process of what to make. It starts as one object, maybe a scepter or sword, but a crown is better because it's in a circular form. Then it becomes two objects. And then lastly, they decide on three of them because one will corrupt, Two will divide, and with three, there is balance. So that's why they make three. 
And of course, Amazon sped up the process. If you caught what Celebrimbor and Elrond said to each other, what takes 300 years, they have to do in three weeks. Or more like three minutes. <laughs> I wish they spent more time on that. Anyway, and so this whole Celebrimbor elf, as I was watching, and I think other people too, he sort of reminds me of the Keebler elf. What? What do you mean? Well, you know what the Keebler elf is, right? The cookie dude? Okay. Yeah. Well, it seems like maybe how the Keebler elf came about was inspired by Celebrimbor. And my crazy non-expert analysis is that uh, since it didn't seem like the forge was being used to make jewelry during the show, it, it had to like, you know, turn it back on and bring it to life again. I think in secret, Celebrimbor was making cookies. Okay, okay. Using the forge. And uh, so, and I think that's why Galadriel was unhappy because Celebrimbor wasn't making cookies for a long time and Galadriel was just like hangry during the entire show. Very nice theory. I know. Interesting connection. So if we're sharing thoughts on Celebrimbor, I was extremely disappointed that he wasn't very knowledgeable in smith making. I mean, he is the grandson of Fianor. Instead, he learned everything from Halbrand. I feel like that didn't really give the character the chance to shine like it really deserved. Ah, uh, messed up Keebler. Okay, well, let's go on to Numenor. What are your thoughts there? Tolkien doesn't say that Muriel becomes blind or even goes to Middle-earth. This is an added storyline. He does say that she will not become ruling queen. Her cousin, Arpharazon, will become king. In a weird way, they actually get married. Next, in the scenes, I can tell that Arpharazon is contemplating how even great kings die. I bet he's thinking about his own mortality, which will be important in a future season. Next, we all know that Isildur isn't dead because he has to cut off the ring. Tolkien never says he went to Middle-earth before Numenor is wiped out, meaning he wasn't left behind on Middle-earth. That is an added storyline. Was there anything you did like? I really did appreciate Elendil's character. Even with the loss of his son, he remains faithful. He wants to continue to serve, and even with great costs, he wants to see to it that they make the end worth the price. That was a good line. So in conclusion, the show was a little disappointing to true Tolkien fans. Casual fans or new fans will love it. This is very different to Peter Jackson's films. He's stuck to Tolkien's writing like 90% of the time. And Amazon's approach is to use Tolkien's Middle Earth and combine it with new, very strong ideas, then mix the two to create a new version of the story, hence providing confusion for true fans. Okay, well, that is a very good review. Let's take a little break before we move on to more hardcore fan questions. Sounds good. Welcome back, everyone. Before we start with the next set of questions from our listeners, I remembered one of the silly answers I gave during one of the previous podcast episodes around why the Harfoots have leaves and twigs in their hair. You remember that one? Mm -hmm. So while we were watching the season finale, 
There was this one scene where the Harfoots were spying on the meteor man and the three scary ladies, right? And they all kind of like poked out their heads or poked their heads out from behind some of those bushes in the trees. And they were perfectly camouflaged because of the twigs and leaves in their hair. And I remember telling you that and you told me to shh because you were watching, right? Yes. Well, yeah, you were right. That's pretty good. Thanks for staying awake and watching it with me, by the way. You are very welcome. Now, there is one thing that was left kind of like a cliffhanger from the last episode, right? Yes, Elendil's daughter, A. Ariane, the apprentice who's about to look into the Palantir. They don't show what's next, right? Right, so I think she's going to see the doom of Numenor and finally becomes convinced to be one of the faithful. Then I think that she's going to tell her dad Elendil about the vision, and that's when he secretly starts building Noah's Ark. I mean... Numenorean ships to escape from the waves when the time comes. Okay, nice prediction. I guess we'll have to wait till next season to see what happens. Yeah. So here's another very nerdy question from one of our listeners. I would like to know more about the different elf groups in the Third Age from the movies. Like, why do the Mirkwood and Lothlorien elves seem to be at odds with one another? Also, why did the elves feel the need to change their language from Quenya to Sindarin? Did I say that correctly? Mm-hmm. And what was the language of Middle-earth? And lastly, goodness, this is like a 10-part question. What is Galadriel speaking at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Rings? Is that Quenya? So I've asked Mina to keep it as simple as possible because we all know that this Tolkien world is very complex. Thanks, Brian. To answer this question, we have to go all the way back to the first age. The elves are born in Middle-earth. They named themselves the Quendi and their language the Quenya. When they were invited by the Valor to see the light of the trees in Valinor, this started the Sundering of the Elves. Wait, what? Sundering? I've never heard of that. Yes, the Sundering of the Elves. Those that saw the light of the trees and spoke Quenya, and those that did not and spoke Sindarin. Now, there was a great group of Elves who stopped along the journey permanently and stayed on Middle-earth. They didn't see the light of the trees. They are called the Sindar Elves, the Grey Elves biggest group in Middle-earth. They were led by Elway, also known as Thingol, king of Doriath. He saw the light of the trees and was a great lord, but eventually lived in Middle-earth. Okay, so that's interesting that Tolkien had to make that difference between elves who saw the light and the elves who did not, and how that even impacts their language. Yeah, Tolkien actually learned four languages by the age of four, and apparently he was very fluent. Wow. His mother taught him. Okay. Then when he was an adult, he was originally a linguist, not a fantasy novel writer. He worked on his elven language first, like creating names, places, the alphabets, before starting to write down the stories. Okay. I have a greater appreciation for Tolkien now. So other fantasy writers, they seem to be more concerned about the plot, maybe, but... Tolkien started with the whole new language. So that's that's next level. That's right. So in the first age, before the Noldor le elves left Valinor, they fought with their kinsmen, the Teleri elves, and killed many of them over the need for ships to sail to Middle-earth. That was the first bloodshed. Eventually, Elway, or Thingol, king of Doriath, finds out that the Noldor elves killed his kinsmen, the Teleri. I mean, that's his brother's people. So out of anger, he would not allow Quenya to be spoken anywhere anymore in Doriath. And that's a lot of elves. 
Galadriel, whose mother was Teleri, also lived in Doriath as well during that time. Celeborn is from Doriath too. So this is where Galadriel practiced the Sindarin tongue. And because of Thingol's decision, this started the shift of elves using Sindarin more and more in Middle-earth. And by the Second Age, Sindarin is adapted. So what does this have to do with the Third Age and the Fellowship of the Ring? By the time of the Third Age, Celeborn and Galadriel ruled Lothlorien over the remaining combination of Noldor and Sindar elves. However, elves in Mirkwood, like King Thranduil and his son Legolas, were gray elves. They didn't like the Noldor elves because the Noldor elves viewed themselves higher and because the Noldor brought about war and strife to Middle-earth. Okay, that makes some sense to me. So what language does Galadriel use in the Fellowship of the Ring movie? She uses Sindarin, and the prologue is in Sindarin. Quenya at this time starts becoming like an ancient language, kind of like how we view Latin. Real linguist nerds study it, and sometimes we have special phrases that we say in Latin, and we write down important things in Latin, but we have a different common speech for everyday use. Also, for those wondering, the Numenorians also spoke Sindarin, but those of the faithful learned Quenya and gave themselves Quenya names, but they all spoke Sindarin. So what's spoken in the Rings of Power show? Honestly, I was really confused. It was weird that some of the elves spoke Quenya because by the Second Age, most elves adopted the Sindarin language. I tried not to let it bother me and I stopped thinking about it, but it's a good question for the producers. You seem to know a lot about these languages. Do you know either of them? So in high school, I had a friend who would pass me notes in physiology class. She would write her messages in Sindarin. Did you respond in Quenya? <laughs> well, to be fair, she was more fluent. It took me a while to decode it. That's crazy. Okay. Well, let's move on to another question from our listeners who has a follow-up question on the dwarves. Why are there only seven Durins and why is Durin the seventh the last? Does that mean the dwarves are going to die out one day? After Khazad-dûm falls, the dwarves have a hard time retaking it again. And it's not until after many, 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 many generations that they return back to Moria. Then they will have a final king named Durin the seventh, and he will be the last king until the end of the dwarven kind, which probably means the end of the world. Tolkien never finished this, but there is an event called the Dagger Daggerath, the last battle. Melkor isn't dead, he's just thrust into the timeless void. So at the Dagger Daggerath, Turin Turambor will come back and battle Melkor and defeat him once and for all. So when this happens, all the world will be broken and remade and the elves brought back to life. Dwarves think that they will come back as well, but Tolkien doesn't make this clear. Men have an unknown fate. It's their gift. And at that time, the lost Silmarils will be recovered and the light of the two trees will be restored. Okay. So the last question from our listeners, what would you have wanted to see more of with the Second Age? And what else should be explored or told in the additional seasons? The Second Age is about the rise and fall of Numenorians. In the Silmarillion book, the majority of the book is about the First Age, and we know a lot about the Third Age from the Lord of the Rings, so there isn't much about the Second Age. I specifically want to know more about the White Tree of Numenor and its saplings. 
also more about a sealed door. According to Tolkien, the sealed door does some heroic acts that involve the white tree. He's not just a rebel and a lost kid. Brian, what would you like to see? I would like to know how Elrond's hair eventually grows out. And if he's going to look like the Matrix guy eventually, there needs to be a really good explanation for this. And they should show progress of his hair lengthening throughout the seasons. So that's what I would like to see. That should be very interesting. Well, that's all we have for season one of Minas Tirith. We hope this has been an interesting adventure for you as we explore Tolkien's Middle Earth. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a rating and a review. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope to come back and make new episodes on this podcast when season two of The Rings of Power comes out. Namarie!